Hello and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm James, and with me are Matt. G'day. And Mal. It's Hello. Gen- it's Geneva Motor Show week, and we'll be looking at the trends it reflected and some of the specific cars that stood out for various reasons. It's uh, a firecracker of a show. We've got a lot to cover, so bear with us. Our, our time may be flexible, so let's <laughs> see how we go. Uh, we'll update you on the electronic soap opera, otherwise known as Muskwatch. Uh, so stay with us for that. But happily, we've had some more feedback, which is great. Yeah. Um, we love it. Keep it coming in. Uh, we had more ratings on iTunes, which is nice to see. We're still at 4.5 out of 5, which is ridiculous. So, yeah. you know, thank you. Thank you for that. Keep them coming. Yeah. Um, Akhil uh, Karandakar, um, we called him out last uh, week. He approves of the better resolution on our YouTube channel. Oh, good. Which is very good. So he, he also loves Muskwatch. So do we. So, so thank you for that. Blake Swan says, great job, mates. So thank you, Blake. Yeah. That's, that's terrific. Good on you, mate. Bonnie Babu was back in touch to tell oh. us that he's Bonnie Babu. So uh, <laughs> respect for that. Respect. What, I'm Bonnie Babu. Yep. He's, yep. That's exactly what he Don't said. Don't you forget I'm it. Bonnie Babu. Good on him. Respect for that. Or her. Now, Malcolm Scott also got in touch and reminded us. We, last week, we were talking about um, limited editions and their limitations in terms of um, how much value <laughs> they offer and what they're all about. But Malcolm reminded us of the Mark II Ford Escort denim pack. Oh. And we've actually dug out an ad advertising the Mark II denim pack. So those on um, looking at us on YouTube wow. will be able to see it. It was in uh, collaboration with Lee Denim Jeans. And he also agrees on our discussion around the C43 and A35 Merc AMGs as standalone models having you know merit in their own yeah. right. Um, he welcomes more sporty Toyotas. Uh, but thinks the Kona Iron Man edition is just not okay. Um, <laughs> He's not like, alone there. Like a Mustang bullet without the heritage. So thanks to mm. everyone and keep the feedback coming. That was that was terrific to hear. Can we throw in a mention of the uh, the uh, what was it the, Rem- Gren- the AMC Gremlin? AMC Gremlin Levi's oh, edition. That's right, the they Levi's edition. Levi's denim seat. Just continuing the denim theme. So. I'm keen to check. I wonder whether Levi's copied Lee or vice versa. It must have been a denim arm wrestle at that time. You know, in the mm. UK, they're all about Lee. US, they're all about Levi's. Are they, is there a, is it nudie jeans still? Don't they make juice? Or maybe that's, maybe they're called Subi jeans now. Are they? They should be jeans. a Subi jeans Nude, in a Subaru. Nudie, That'd nudie. be perfect. Okay, nudie jeans. I don't want to know. <laughs> but... We mentioned, um, oxymoronic, we mentioned at the head of the show that Geneva Motor Show has been yeah. happening. <clears throat> I would argue against expectation. It's been an absolute cracker of a show Huge. because these big motor shows have been slowly diminishing um, over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of steam seems to have gone out of them, but Geneva comes out of the clouds with all brands blazing. You know? yeah, in terms of cars being shown, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to cover off what we consider to be the, the quartet of standouts. Mel? You're going to cover off the first pair, which um, come from... Oh, no. Sorry, Matt. You're going to cover off the first pair. It, it doesn't the, matter. The Alpha. Yes. There's an Alpha and there's yeah. a Renault. But yes. they're both a bit special. Fill uh, us in. So the Alpha Romeo Tonale. Now T- that's... T-O-N-A-L-E. Now, if you read that with an English mind, you might think, oh, toenail. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you get to that. No, no. But this is a, a new small SUV concept from Alfa Romeo. Um, the Italians haven't been too willing to move to the SUV segment, but uh, with the 
model above it. What's the Stelvio? It's called. Yep. Um, named after a mountain pass in um, in Italy, and yep. so is the Tonale. So uh, right, it's a it's a mountain pass, maybe slightly smaller slightly than Stelvio. Smaller mountain, yeah, funny. lower altitude. Yeah, yeah gotcha. funny. So it's a it precursor it to a production model that will be based on the same underpinnings as a Jeep Renegade, which is also a Fiat 500X. Um, so a fairly compact vehicle. Yep. Um, but you look at it and you go, well, that makes sense. You know, everybody's moving into that space. Um, you've, it'll be playing against the likes of a BMW X2 and Audi Q2 and those sorts of cars. So. It's probably not the best look, though, for a future Alfa Romeo that you know has so much dynamism in its pedigree, yeah, right. etc., to be basing itself but, on a Jeep Renegade. It's mm-hmm. interesting you... It's old and not particularly dynamic. Interesting, though, Mel, you talk about not the best look. Just to take that literally, I think it looks terrific. Yeah, you know, yeah it's, sure. it's a really amazing design. So yeah. if it gets close to that in production... Bit of one thumbs up. about the nose. I think, yeah. I think yeah. it looks outstanding. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's been a lot of love. Drive nicely. There's been a lot of love online for the look of the thing. And, yeah. you know, lots of people speculating that it's pretty thinly veiled in terms of concept to production reality. Yeah. Uh, and let's hope that it looks that good when it does eventually pop up, probably in the next year or two, um, based on where the small SUV market is at. It could be based on a next-generation Jeep Renegade. Yeah, yeah. Bring that on. Yeah. Because so. um, it's interesting, in Australia, the Stelvio has done good things for Alpha yep. in terms of their volume, the incremental business that they've been able to do. Yep. Um, so that's good. You'd think that the arrival of this one, whenever it finally makes production and introduction here, yep. step again. And know? also you've got uh, talk of a smaller toenail uh the small toenail the, the little toenail <laughs> little toenail, um, as so, opposed to the big toenail yeah so yeah. we'll we'll see what happens with that but uh it would make sense it would give them something in the i don't know what's smaller than an audi q2 there isn't an audi q1 yet not yet or a but BMW. that's a niche that, that would be uh, pretty small it will be little. filled yeah yeah, yeah. like a fat panda all right, and, and then we're going. Audi badges. We're Ooh. going to France for the next point of interest. Yeah, yeah. Renault Clio, which uh, may not be the hugest seller here, but um, the fifth generation model Big car for France. It's a huge car for Europe in general. Um, mm. In fact, the Clio is the Renault brand's biggest selling model. Right. Uh, the big news for Australia is there's a new hybrid engine that we won't get. Um, mm. Instead, we'll get. But does it matter? No. I don't not in that segment mm. um, and not for that brand, I don't think. Like how diesels, you know, disappeared from that segment. Yeah. And you look at Renault, they've got the Zoe EV if there are greenies out there who want to get a Renault in their life. Or, or Jameses. You're assuming that we're not greenies. Oh, um, That's a big assumption. I think, actually, it's probably me that made that assumption, making that statement. But <laughs> I was merely okay. trying to reflect on the yes. fact that James is a fan of the Zoe. Yeah. yeah. I like the Zoe too. I like the Zoe. Zoe's a lovely yeah. car. But um, So anyway, new Clio, uh, lighter, stronger platform, like um, better safety. It's got now got curtain airbags. Uh, the previous generation model was widely criticised for not having curtain airbags to protect anyone in the back seat. Is it driven by Euro NCAP stepping up its game? It could be. Yeah. Um, it could also be common doing sense. Five star ratings for cars without yeah. rear airbags. Yeah, and so it'll get the full suite Not of active enough. safety gear as well, um, AEB and blind, blind spot availability and lane keep and uh, pedestrian and cyclist detection and a and uh, adaptive cruise control. It's every single car that comes out from this year onwards is going to have the option of so much tech. It's amazing. Isn't it interesting because when you hear that various safety, independent safety assessment authorities have upped their game and said, all right, you have to climb higher to get to our maximum star rating, you think, oh, that's a stretch. And then, 
lo and behold, everyone steps up and meets it yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, and they're able to do it. Like back in the day when you added power windows to a car, it added it had a lot of weight over wind up windows. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of these features come from having a sensor in the nose that yeah. adds maybe two kilos to the sure. weight of the car. So yeah. you can do it; it may cost you more, but yeah. it's not going to weigh the car down and cause engineering challenges. I suppose all I'm saying is the cynic in me knows that um, when there's an imperative to do it, car brands will do it. Uh, Left to their own devices, if it doesn't add up from a dollar point of view, they're possibly a little uh, more reluctant. Even things like um, cruise control with a speed limiter now is part of the regime that you need to have. And so it was interesting to see at the Geneva show as well, Volvo came out and said we're going to limit our cars to 180 k's an hour from 2020 onwards. So they're, they're going beyond the speed limiter on the cruise control. They're saying, we're not going to let you do yes. 180 k's an hour or more. Yes. So really interesting to see where that argument in the safety zone is going. But um, the uh, Polestar, the go-fast arm of Volvo has said, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're fast. Just out of interest, the um, existing speed limiting cruise control function on cars, do you guys ever use it? No. No. Me neither. It's no. annoying. It feels stupid. Yeah. feels like you've run out of petrol. It's Fair good enough. if you're a commercial vehicle driver and um, they're watching you. Yeah. Like if, if you've if got a tracker on your vehicle. Or um, if you're down to your last straw. Yeah. For yes. uh, demerits, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love regular cruise control. Yeah. I love adaptive cruise control. It's for great. those uh, For those reasons. Now, uh, thank you very much, Matt. My we're pleasure. going to stay in Geneva, but we're changing um, ethnic backgrounds. We're going to Japan. And You're going to Japan? A couple of big Japanese brands had lots to say there. The Japanese fill us, side fill of the in room in Mal. Switzerland. Yeah. So, Mazda. So, in the lead-up to the show, we heard that they were going to be revealing a new CX-3, which seems a little bit early. Uh, then we heard CX-4 or yeah. 6. Some people were running with 4, 6, whatever. Uh, we knew that they were revealing a new SUV. And then we woke up on, was it Wednesday morning, mm. to see that they'd revealed the CX-30, which is a departure from their uh, existing naming strategy. Uh, what is a CX-30? It sounds like a CX-3, but does it replace the CX-3? No. It is a new model that sits between the CX-3 and CX-5, which in my mind makes so much sense because the CX-3 is quite limited as an SUV. Uh, you can't even fit an umbrella uh, pram, uh, stroller in the boot. Yep. Um, is an umbrella stroller a thing? Is yeah. that one that goes... Oh, you still use them. They're the ones we probably had as kids. Okay. But you use them, say, if you're catching a train with your kid. Oh, okay. And you need to fold it up tight and hang it on the wall. Or say you're catching a plane. Um, all sorts of scenarios. Right. It's an okay. important part of your parenting arsenal. I think I had a uh, wicker pram with big white wheels. <laughs> I may lots have predated of, those. Lots of suspension. With travel. actual <laughs> suspension, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah with the fancy suspension. springs. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, it sounds like it's more like a, a Nissan Qashqai or a Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised, given that uh, Mazda Australia personnel have been quite critical of Honda's strategy in having the HRV being such a practical car, uh, with the assumption that it would be robbing the CRV of sales, the right. expensive CRV. And here we are with the equivalent wearing Mazda badges. But. Well, I think it's great. Interestingly enough, when I was on the Mazda 3 launch in LA, I was speaking to some people uh, that work on the American side of things, and they basically said that the Mazda CX-3, the feedback had been, it's not enough like a HRV. Yeah. So it needs to be more like a HRV, but people can't necessarily step up to that 
CX5 level. Yeah. Um, so they need something in between. But interesting you call out the influence of the states because, you know, in America, Honda is such a Huge. solid brand. Yeah. Um, and Mazda, nowhere near it. You mm. know, it's a different situation here, but uh, they would have enormous influence Definitely. in terms of product planning. The CX3 has always struck me as more of a European product. You know, it's closer in size to the Renault Captur and yep. uh, even the Ford EcoSport, which is a yep. European-focused car. But... Um, I think as long as they price it well, it will be very successful in Australia. Okay. It could obliterate the CX-3. Mm. Good. Uh, and it's set to arrive next year. All right. And then a, another Japanese brand... I haven't finished ha- on the CX-30 yet. Oh, that same Japanese brand kept, <laughs> uh, kept our focus exclusively on the CX-30. <laughs> Continue on, Mel. Look, we can't... We need to reflect on the name a bit more. Okay. CX-30. Yeah. What does it mean? Uh, will we see a CX-50 in future? I don't know. Uh, I reckon there's room for a CX-50 between uh, CX-5 and CX-8. But isn't so there room for a CX-6 or a CX-7 instead? Would they not be like a coupe-roofed CX-5? I don't know. Rather than having these different steps, why don't we just go for a model range CVT where you can just infinitely change the model according to what you need? <laughs> why and have so many ratios? Just Because it would be more efficient than ever, but not particularly entertaining to drive. True, a bit droney. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Questionable longevity as well. <laughs> Um, anyway, but, uh, you know, where's the CX-4 that only went to China as well? Yeah, yeah, right. That was a coupe CX-5. It is a weird, to me, it came across as a very odd way of moving forward with the SUV range. Yeah. I, I look at it and go, from a marketing perspective, they've put so much effort into building up CX-3, CX-5, CX-9, CX-8. Why not just have a gap-filling number? To clarify, Mel, no. is it... I reckon it's because this is the car that the world needs. Mm. This is where the sales potential is, perhaps. Mm. Are we looking at a production car here, or is this still classified as no, a... No, it's production. It's production yeah. car. And that, that's what it'll be called in... in Sound. Okay. Yep. yep. And it's coming here. Yep. Mm. And right. so, but it won't replace CX-3. It'll I sit think alongside. It, I get the feeling it will in numerous markets. Like, I can't imagine America taking a CX-3 in mm. a world where there's a CX-30. Yeah. Uh, and Europe may not want a CX-30. They may prefer a CX-3. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Australia's likely to want both because, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, as a rule, we love Mazdas. And we SUVs, so many of the yeah. damn things. Yeah. Mm. Um, but if you can't see the background, if you're listening to us on the audio versions of the podcast... Uh, it looks very much like a cross between the CX-5 and the new Mazda 3, but that's no surprise. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I think it looks good. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't sort of look frowny, a bit like the, the CX-3. I think the back looks great. There's no controversial C-pillar no. as in the 3, but no. which I like. But um, anyway, it's yeah. good. We look forward to it. We can move on now, James. Thanks, Mel. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> Terrific. We've got permission to go to the next... Uh, brand and specific car that was shown at Geneva. Yep. So the latest of the Subaru Visiv series of concepts was shown. This yep. one's the Visiv Adventure. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's not. It's the Visiv Adrenaline. The oh, Visiv thing uh, seems to have been going since the dawn of time. There are so many Visiv. Yeah. It all just becomes one massive Visiv. It's just it's just their concept naming structure where they this is the vision of the future for something. Yeah. <sighs> right. Yeah. And generally, those somethings materialise as production models. Yeah, yeah. Shortly after, that don't look anywhere near as exciting as the concept <laughs> version. Exactly. Yeah. More so than usual in the industry. Um, so, as a result, we've all become a bit cynical about Subaru concepts. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> uh, yeah, they get toned down big time for production. Uh, so, we're not. I'm not on the edge of my seats with this one. Okay. Uh, 
but it does look like it previews the next XV, but the timing just doesn't seem yeah, to stack the, up. Yeah, the XV's only been around for two yeah. and a half to three years. It's still on the all-new platform. Yeah. and you yeah. know, like uh, Usually these things are 12 to 18 months before the production version. Yeah. We won't be seeing a new XV 12 to 18 See, months. I see it as maybe... Maybe there's a, a, a hint in there of something in between XV and Forrester, a, a la the uh, the rest of the world who is doing gap filling models in SUV ranges. Um, agree more. Could be something more coupe styled or a little bit more sporty or adventurous than an XV, but only maybe a little bit longer and a little bit wider. And yeah, the other theory is that it you know does it represent a smaller XV? I don't think so. Mm. And, and we know that Subaru is quite limited in the flexibility of that one platform that everything spun off so mm-hmm. it makes more sense for me to be something bigger than an XV um, we had a chat with Subaru Australia's Dave Rowley our mm-hmm. friend and PR boss uh, he suggested that it's most likely to preview a more off-road focused XV um, so an XV Raptor mm. why? Um, which would also imply know. maybe a little more uh, performance because oh. the XV as an off-road, you know, prospect as it stands. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd what, love to see a fast off-road. You know, a, a little more kind of grunt for... WRXV. It, a bit. If, yeah. it, if it was to be <laughs> a serious off-road. We've had that conversation before. Oh, so many times. <laughs> I would love a WRXV. It all would bolt together nicely. Yeah. Anyway, but Dave also suggested that it's less likely to preview something performance. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the WRX type performance. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, and look, the other way of looking at it is that um, Subaru makes a more off-road focused version of the Forester they sell in the US called the Forester Sport, which is a bit of a lame name. Mm-hmm. Um, could this be a XV Sport? I don't think so, because they've gone to the trouble of designing a whole new concept, which mm. looks fantastic. So I think the most likely scenario is what Matt suggested. Something in between. Yeah, something Forester-sized, which isn't that much bigger than an XV, mm-hmm. but with a more sporting roof, because yep. the Forest is quite boxy. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I think it copped uh, a fair bit of criticism when it came out, because everyone was like, it doesn't look different enough to the yeah. one that it replaced, uh, and it is extremely boxy at the back. And a lot of people... You know, in the SUV market these days, don't necessarily look to an SUV because they need the ultimate in cargo capacity. Yep. They look to it because of the stance, the you know design, the driveway cred, all of those things. And general desirability. People yeah. want SUVs because mm-hmm. everyone's it, got them. It does cause you to think, both the Mazda and the Subaru, how many niches can you actually fill? You know, you have to be sensible at this. So yeah. can you fit another model in here or does it pay maybe this uh, Subaru style to just go a little wider on a particular model and create yeah. a derivative that that creates more opportunity yeah, and interest. Yeah. I think we'll so. See. If you can't fit any more vertically, let's go out a bit horizontally. Yeah, but they all seem to have done such a good job these days of uh, using, you know, a vast proportion of common engineering elements in the platforms. Yeah, that it's pretty easy for them to spin off these extra body styles. Sure. Look at Mercedes with their coupe SUVs and yeah. and Audi with their sport backs and. Absolutely. Well, yeah, if everything if everything under the top hat is yeah. the same, it makes it pretty easy to change hats. Sure does. Yeah. <clears throat> and a few years ago, we would have thought, oh yeah, coupe SUV, what? Yeah. And then they're everywhere. So you know, there's something <laughs> still will come out of the cloud. It's still not going to appear in my garage anytime soon. <laughs> um, so you got more to go, Mel? Sorry, James. Um, I just need to check. Yeah. Make sure. Is it anyway? Yeah. So if it does become a. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, a Forester Coupe. Yep. It would be along the same sort of lines that we saw with the Mazda CX-4. 
once again, that only went to China. But also the new Volkswagen T-Roc is basically a coupe Tiguan. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So another mainstream manufacturer doing the same sort of thing makes sense. And yep. if they can do it cheaply. Um, but I think the main thing is please make the production version look something like the concept. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That'd a, be great. It looks a, fantastic. It's a really nice looking concept mm. car. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's always There are production limitations, aren't there? Cost, you know, mm. bolting it together, safety. Um, all of those things, but um, you'd hope if you put an idea out there that looks kind of sort of close and everyone to something you too. can produce and everyone loves it, well, you, you go that about extra testing, distance you know, to do it. Exactly, yeah. Customer feedback. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, James. All right, terrific. Now, <laughs> thank you, Mel. Staying, <laughs> you, staying on uh, Geneva, the overwhelming theme for any of our podcast listeners that are reluctant to accept um, the fact that electrification <laughs> is headed our way, Geneva was a pretty strong marker that said it's on. And we've all seen enough concept cars that have had either full electric or hybrid, some kind of uh, electrified drivetrain. Uh, yeah, Geneva. We mm-hmm. ran... Sorry, Mel. Go. No, I, th- I think you need to finish this point. No, first. all I was going to say was <laughs> we ran stories on 18 different cars, combination of production cars and a lot of them, yeah. um, and some concepts. And under the bonnet and under the car were batteries and electric motors, um, as well as the occasional internal combustion engines. So um, it's very much, if this is the preview of what's coming down the production line in the next few years, we know yeah. um, that yeah. electric's coming. A th- point I just thought of, yep. though, is that of the production cars that were shown with a form of electrification, um, I'd say that the vast majority of them would just be a hybrid version of the Yeah, range. I suppose that's true, but so it, even that is uh, an indication of, yeah. of what's coming, you know. Yeah. And to, to rattle through it quickly, Jeep had two plug-in models. Yep. Um, BMW had X3, X-Drive 30e. There was a Benz EQV, which is, I think, is their large... V-Class uh, van. V-Class van, but electrified. Yep. Um, then you had the Kia Imagine concept, and you can check out all these stories at carsguide.com.au for all the details on them. The Kia Imagine looks great, I reckon. The Audi Look Q... Look Tesla. Here comes Kia. Audi Q4 e-tron. So e-tron is a thing that, that Audi's very much making real. Um, VW ID buggy, not exactly real, but interesting and yep. cute as... There's more to it than meets the eye, though. Kind mm. of uh, Kermit with wheels. It was yeah. very green, the one that was at Geneva. Ha, I get it. Oh, sorry. The Mitsubishi <laughs> Engelberg Tourer, which, <laughs> which I'm actually calling the Engelberg Phaeton. Because yeah. I think it, Mel made the point that it sounded like something that you would drive coast to coast across America in the 20s. You or know? Yeah. or rolling onto the lawn at Pebble Beach. Yeah. Yeah. So not the Engelberg Tourer, it's the Phaeton. So it actually has a separate set of seats and a screen <gasps> behind. Maybe yeah. that's to come. So this is just the full-on SUV version. I'm waiting for it. And the Engelberg Tour is going to be the, 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 the semi-convertible with a second windscreen. I want an Engelberg Phaeton. The Nissan Murano, whatever. Of, anyway, it, anyway, it previews the next generation Outlander, if you believe everything Mitsubishi <laughs> okay. says. Oh, well, there's that. Yeah. Um, but then the Nissan E-Power. There was also the Subaru Forester E-Boxer. Yep. The Skoda Vision IV. So four, but it was an I and a V, yep. so I don't really get that. But the Nissan uh, TMQ concept. There was the Polestar 2. You mentioned Polestar before, Matt. So that's another electric um, high-performance car from Polestar. Uh, The SY Corando. Mm -hmm. So Sanyon Corando. Um, The Honda E. The little um, compact, cute as a button yeah. uh, little car. Not as cute as the original concept, but still very cute. But you couldn't expect it it to be like that. No. So 
I've heard some criticism of it this week. Oh yeah, there's been a bit but going around. But I think around. it's still fantastic. Yeah, it's I really. Fantastic. I love how it's got back doors now. Yeah. What's the criticism? Um, that it doesn't look enough like the, the concept. concept car. Like I saw an article from one of our competitor uh, publications. Outlet? Yes, that said it is the worst concept to reality ever. Oh, that's a bit harsh. And I don't see it that way. Firstly, at all. it's not reality. Have they it's seen any Subaru still. concepts? Yeah, I know, and that's what I said. Have you seen Subaru? Have they seen any of Danny Bahar's Lotus concepts? Yeah. That mm. never happened. Oh. They were great. He was busy doing other things. They yeah. happened, they happened in prison. his imagination. <laughs> yeah. So um, one other thing, the Audi e-tron. Yeah. Um, there was also Audi's TFSIE drivetrains that they announced. Plug-in hybrids across a bunch of different Amazing. models. Yeah. So, and then, then you get to Peugeot. Yeah. So Peugeot had a 208. And the 508, which looks like a really exciting prospect. Yeah. I think it's, is it Peugeot electric design. driving mm. the rear wheels and it's petrol yes, driving the it's front? petrol and electric at the front, front and electric at the back. the back. Fantastic. So the first all-wheel drive uh, hybrid version from Peugeot. But also yeah. the 208 EV, like they're going, well, the next generation GTI is going to be electric and it's going to yeah. be so quick. Yep. So mm. exciting. Hopefully I reckon all that's also exciting. So not very heavy. Yeah. Now, speaking of not very heavy and speaking of exciting, also at Geneva, for people who are interested in the, the ultra-exotic, stratospheric-priced super hypercars... Which Geneva's arguably Gen- most Geneva's, famous for. There yeah. are a few wealthy individuals who live in Geneva, yeah. so maybe they were just out shopping you know, on the day. And you wouldn't want to disappoint them. Yeah, they've got their Swiss watches, they've got yeah, a few chockies, and we'll buy a Bugatti. Um, <laughs> so there's a person who has paid for a one-off Bugatti called La Voiture Noire. So it's oh, the black, black car. Yeah. Um, and it's 16.7 million euro. So that's nearly 27 million Australian dollars for this one-off car. So it yeah. was to a, um, a, what do you call it, a commission? That's the sort so of money can, they used to spend updating the EF Falcon to EF2. Wow, was there a... And you get lots of cars out of it. <laughs> Noir uh, Falcon. I don't think they did a black EF2 Falcon. <laughs> How can we get Let us know in the EF2 comments if I'm wrong. into the same conversation <laughs> as a $27 million Bugatti? Welcome anyway, to Mal. Welcome just to talking, Mal World. Just trying to bring it to the people. There was also the Koenigsegg Jesko. It may be pronounced differently, but that's how I'm saying Jesko it. Jesko sounds J- like a supermarket J-E-S-K-O. Or a yeah, yeah, Jesko. It's probably like You have yes- to buy everything in bulk. Because it's Koenigsegg, <laughs> it's probably like Jesko or something like that. It would be. Yeah. So it's a twin turbo, flat plane V8. Only 1,280 horsepower. Yeah. 1,500 newton metres of torque. And six and a half million bucks, and apparently they've sold a couple in Australia. Australia. So, interesting. Come on down, Lindsay The black Fox. car is mm-hmm. kind of mechanically identical to the Chiron, hey? It so is. It wins the, the dollar figure f- number like Good game, markup. Stefan Winkleman knows Koenigsegg, how to make a profit. Yeah. I think, wins the performance number. Maybe. Prize. And mm. then Aston uh, came out of the blue with a whole slew of three cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the AMBR003, which is a, a mid- mid-engine sports car, um, influenced uh, by the Valkyrie, and with a lot of Red Bull input, uh, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought the Valkyrie had more Red Bull. You had the fans. Vanquish Vision, Vision uh, concept, anyway. which is also mid-engine, and then a Lagonda all-terrain. Yeah, another Vision. No, Vision. Oh, vision. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Lagonda all-terrain is probably the most important of the three to yep. the the vast majority of people. And I love I love the styling of yeah, following right. from last year's one. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is unmistakably yeah, Lagonda. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's right to go electric with it. It's fresh, it's different, it's Yep. Good. All right. So we we've, <laughs> we've gone from uh, Geneva we've gone from Geneva World 
to Mal world, yep. and now we're going to the real world. Oh, good. Uh, which is what we've been <laughs> what we've been driving uh, this week, and what we're going to we're going to kick it off with you, Mal. Uh, ah. What what have you been steering this last week? Kick off. There's a um. Never mind. No, I was going to make an analogy about Fiat fullbacks, but I won't. Fine. Because that's what they badged the Mitsubishi Triton in Italy. Oh, really? Fiat fullback. Fiat, Fiat fullback. fullback. Yeah. Was, wow. There's no drop kick. I don't know <laughs> for football to make that happen. <laughs> or soccer, for that matter. Kick anyway. That, kick that into touch, mate. Mitsubishi Triton. This is, uh, I managed to have my first experience with the updated Mitsubishi Triton over this last weekend. I had the GLS dual cab 4x4. Wearing the number plates Triton Four, which nice. Is, uh, stood it's out always in the so much car park. Yeah, um, I remember driving a Mazda uh, MX Six back in the day. Okay, yeah. turbo front wheel drive um, was able to, had automatic lane changing, which was the accelerated pedal. Long and before, the, <laughs> long before. Autonomous. Oh man, and it had the number plate Mazda Two on it, which was predating Mazda Two, of course. Wow. And I remember a woman Alan walking Horses across the car park as I was parking. She just goes, oh. I've got a Mazda too. <laughs> yeah, I felt um, rather silly. Anyway, yep. Triton. Triton 4. We're back to Triton 4. So Matt drove the Triton and its launch a couple of weeks ago now. Yep, Triton 4, return to base. Pretty Sorry. impressed. Yeah, pretty impressed. It's been a little bit more refined and a little bit more safety. But most importantly, it's a whole lot better looking. Yes. It does look better. Front and rear. What's it, it what do they call great. it? Something mm. shield? It's dynamic shield. Dynamic shield, shield yeah. is the design term mm-hmm. for it that sounds like very aggressive a high kind tech of face. Bull bar, doesn't it? Yeah. But it does look good. It's it the, looks really the good. front end of it is so squared off and angular that you sort of wish the wheels were squares as well. Like <laughs> Yes, it's that. It's Myth, that aggressive. I don't Mythbusters wish that. Tried that. Yeah, maybe yeah. James wishes that. Yeah. <laughs> Direct that accusation at James. Yeah, right. So, what did what it, you liked it? You I liked, liked the way it. it looks. Yeah, I liked it. So, GLS I I drove, uh, which is the mid spec model, mm. um, four wheel drive dual cab. It still comes in that fantastic blue of the previous one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, my next door neighbour's got one, so we had blue Tritons everywhere that weekend. Right. Um, blue Triton loving. Oh yeah. Um, very impressive safety gear added uh, to the GLS, mm-hmm. but oh, why can't they put AEB across the board? Mm. That'd be such a great little marketing So, win. meaning certain models of the Triton have AEB, but not all. Yeah, I think okay. GLX Plus up gets AEB. AEB. All so, right. Um, Isn't GLX Plus... Uh, GLX doesn't get it, because I'm in a GLX this week. But GLS You're in uh, either, Triton so. 2. Yeah, it does. Aren't Ooh. you? Fairly sure it does. Triton 2? Triton 2, yes. yes. Yeah, sounds like we're on. Um, what was that? What was that thing with the little spacemen? What's that show? Do you remember that show with the space? The the show with the little they'll spacemen. Puppets. They'll puppets. Oh, Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Oh, come on, mate! You what? don't know. Oh. You couldn't remember Thunderbirds, mate. When I was a kid, Pretty I sure was Thunderbirds I, happen when you're a kid, Jones. I, I was to one <laughs> of the Thunderbird. I was one of the Tracy sons. <laughs> in my mind, I love the Thunderbirds. You've always had a funny walk. Yeah. Yeah, yep. no strings attached. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that, anyway, that's good. So yes, they've improved its uh, refinement, but it's still not as nice as a Ranger, I think. No, it's, it's still not. Bumpier, but I think James agrees on that front. Yeah, yeah, I found it a little bit bumpy, uh, but it's kind of good. Yeah. yeah, but it's also a lot cheaper than a Ranger. So, mm, mm. and was the one you've been driving uh, Mal a manual or automatic? No, I think the only manual you can get is the base petrol. Which no, you can get a base diesel as well with a okay. manual. Right. Yeah. So automatic. It was an automatic. Yep. And uh, I hadn't driven one of the uh, Triton uh, slash Pajero Sport twins uh, since I drove the Pajero Sport last year. 
And uh, it was interesting to see because the Triton still gets... Oh, no, it gets a new transmission. It's a new six. six yeah. Isn't yeah. it? And it's fine. Yeah. Like, you don't sit there going, where are my extra two ratios from the Pajero it's Sport? A, it's That's a, fine. Right. It's a little bit more settled at higher speed, which is really good because it will help you use a little bit less fuel as well yeah. in real world situations anyway. But yeah, it, I reckon that uh, transmission hasn't necessarily changed the game for it, but it's definitely no. a little bit more refined. Yeah, look, if you're lining it up against, you know, an MUX or, sorry, mm. a D-Max, sorry, yeah. uh, it, it's good to see, you know, both have got a six-speed transmission. Yeah. Um, but I think it's probably uh, a credit to the engine that Butte uh, 2.4 that yeah. it does a good job, nice yep. and, quiet. and calibration as well. Yep, all yes. right, quiet and smooth and yep. efficient. We'll um, we'll move on. And Matt, you yes. have been steering an altogether different car, very different. Uh, tell us about that one, Mercedes CLS 350. Yep, uh, it is. If you're not aware of what a CLS is, it's a big swoopy coopy. And <laughs> that is no longer available as a shooting brakey. No, sadly, oh, no, God, no. Don't m- don't break my heart. Yeah. Sorry, Aging isn't that a breaky heart? Oh. <laughs> um, and just don't do it. Just on other news in the in the world of shooting brakes, the Mercedes CLA shooting brake, the smaller version, has also been scrubbed for Australia. So the only Mercedes wagons you can now buy will be the C class and E class. As wagons. Proper wagons. Yeah. No so. more shooting brakes for Australia. Yeah. The, as yeah. I recall, the E-Class wagon was, it had a kind of Audi all-road feel. It's the yeah. all-terrain. Is it the all-terrain? And yeah. that's the one we'll have? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks good. Um, yeah. And the CLS looks good too. <coughs> I got a lot of comments uh, from people saying, geez, that's a nice car. Bloody hell, that looks long. It's a very long it car. It was the silver one, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it looked quite nice in the silver. I yeah. got overtaken by one last night that had been wrapped in matte black. Oh. And the badges removed. It looked terrible. Oh. Mm. I, I think that car looks magnificent yeah. um, in the silver. I love it. I know it polarises opinion. Yep. Some people are dead set against it. I can understand that. I think the simplicity, the way things have been stripped away from the design to keep that very pure form, yeah. I reckon it's lovely. I think it, it works exceptionally well on CLS. It doesn't work quite as well, f- in my mind, on some CLA. of the standard like cars. A, a class and yeah. things, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. maybe it's because it's such a long body form, you've got a lot more to play with in terms of the smoothness and the contours. And so. room to just get those angles just right. Yeah. 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 However, I'm not a fan of the rear, ang- rear end details. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I think it just smacks of a very confident period uh, for yeah. design for the Mercedes-Benz product. Okay. Yeah. They're taking some risks and not pleasing everybody, but um, the ones they are pleasing are falling in love with it. So, mm-hmm. I, I And think therefore, really an period. appropriate continuation of the previous ones, which were very confident. Yes, absolutely. Yep. All right, now, James? speaking of confident, I have been in a uh, 300 SRT, Chrysler Ooh. 300 SRT. In the back seat? I've been, been in the, I've been in the front seat, which is right. actually pretty grippy and, and quite comfy. But the thing that counts is under the bonnet, which is a 6.4 litre Hemi, naturally aspirated V8, which is such a rarity, you know, a big V engine without a turbo or anything attached to it. Um, and it produces about 350 kilowatts. And it'll, is that all? It'll give you 637 <laughs> newton metres. Yep. But those newton metres come in because of the, the naturally aspirated uh, nature of the engine pretty high it's about 4150 before you're getting your maximum torque yeah. so once it's there oh yeah it's there but it doesn't have that low down torque of some modern turbos yeah and you you really notice it having said that it's lovely to drive because it's just so lazy and easy to to cruise around in um physically f- a big car 
did you feel like you were driving a police car? I did feel like I was driving a police car. And I reckon some people in front of me felt like I was yeah. driving a police car too. Because <laughs> our car was finished in white. white. So, uh, yeah. And yeah. it started, people were behaving very well. Yeah. All of a sudden, like, oh, okay, everyone's <laughs> disciplined, nothing going on here. Sticking to the left-hand line. It was an insight into how it feels to be a policeman behind right. the wheel of a car. Because I've now seen the, what must be the first of the New South Wales Highway Patrol uh, 300 SRTs. Yep. Uh, twice now on the M- M2 right in the morning. Well, there you go. So they're out there, yeah. as is this one. Mm. It's about 75K. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a massive seller uh, for Chrysler at this point. It no. is a niche car. But I couldn't help thinking while I was driving it, if I was a former HSV or current HSV owner and I was looking around for broadly similar options, I can go and get my Camaro from, from HSV, sure. Or your Mustang uh, from Ford. Or your Mustang from Ford. But this sedan... Big V8 up front, driving the rear wheels. You know, you might consider it if you were that way inclined. Yeah, and I I had a very, very quick drive of that car the other day. The noise was amazing, um, and it'll, without provocation, it'll spin the back tyres pretty readily. Yes. Um, My my biggest concern, though, was the brake pedal and accelerator pedal height are really different setting. Okay. So I found myself driving two-footed rather than one-footed as I usually would. You're right about the noise. I wish there was a button that I could press to suppress the exhaust at various times. Gets a bit droning, To the best of my knowledge, there isn't one. I haven't been able to find that. So, yeah, it gets a bit tedious after a while. It's interesting. um, So it's mechanically identical to the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee SRT. And we have bought so many of those things. Yeah, right. Mm. Haven't we? But, um, it speaks not volumes sweet, about... Not us. Just <laughs> Mal's got... Pritchard bought one. Mal has several. <laughs> but, Glenn bought one. But it's about sedans, isn't it? You know, the, the, the love affair with large sedans in Australia has cooled. Yeah, big time. Big time. And the, my, the other big question I have is when this vehicle runs its course, because it can't be too much longer for this world... In terms of this it's generation, because we're it's the only country car. that gets it. It's, a, it's made specially for us, isn't it? Ex- yeah, I think so. I think that's correct. Yeah, and where Zero does that leave Chrysler as a brand if yeah. this eventually does meet its end? Because it's the only Chrysler on the market. Yeah, the three hundred and, and the SRT. 300. Yeah, and it was interesting to note. Pardon me. It was stamped in the door aperture, made in Canada, um, and. Right. Uh, that came as a bit of a surprise, but um, whether that's always been the case, but that particular car was was built in Canada. Right, mm. okay. So, what's that all do? Speaking of building cars <laughs> and the importance <laughs> that that has on a business's bottom line, it's time for Musk Watch. <laughs> right, so... Mm. Big okay. week. Okay, so Elon is facing consequences for his itchy Twitter fingers. Um, the C- CNBC reports that he's facing pretty significant fines and a possible suspension as CEO of Tesla mm-hmm. for recent activity on Twitter, and we touched on this last week. Uh, federal regulators said he violated his September 29, 2018 settlement with the Securities and Exchange Commission, um, the securities lawyer says. Um, Musk and Tesla have until March 11, which is Monday, Mm -hmm. uh, to respond to an order from a judge explaining why the court shouldn't hold him in contempt after he tweeted about Tesla's production forecast for the Model 3. Now, this is where he made a misstep and said that uh, they'd make 500,000 Model 3s uh, this year. He meant to say it was an annualised figure. Right. All that pointed to is no one's vetting your tweets, are they? Yeah. Uh, And 
it's, you're stuck with only 140 characters. And he went, he, so they went straight for the juggler on that one. So he's got until Monday to try and convince them that he wasn't in contempt. So, so that's good news. Yeah. Um, and then... This all means that he could go to jail, doesn't it? It, uh, it means he, the, the more likely outcome is that there would be some kind of fine and that he would be okay. stood aside as CEO of Tesla. Yeah. Which would be, for him, just about as bad as going to jail. Because he I lost, reckon. was it the chairmanship he lost before? Yes, that's right. Mm. So an Australian person whose name escapes me at the moment, who was with Telstra, yeah. is uh, chair of, of Tesla. Tesla now. Yeah. yeah. So also, we mentioned in last week's podcast that the Friday that we were recording on was actually D-Day for the convertible bonds yep. um, that were becoming, uh, that were reaching mature maturity. And indeed, Tesla had to pay out US $920 million to bondholders, um, estimated to be about a quarter of the company's cash. Wow. So that's also great. You know, that's 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 really good news. Yeah. At, at the same time as wiping lots and lots of thousands of dollars off the pricing of their production Let models. me get to that. Yeah. Oh, Let me sorry. get to that sorry. now. Oops. Um, Bloomberg reports that Tesla's share price has dropped after Elon's decision, which was in response to that, um, you know, cash payout, you'd have to guess, mm. to close most retail stores. Um, yeah. So... The t- out of the blue, it's like, yeah, we're shutting all our stores where there'd been so much, you know, hullabaloo about these. We're doing retailing differently. We're doing it the Tesla way. We're not going to do it at all. Yeah. It'll be online purchasing in the main. So the share price has dropped to $276, which yep. is a significant drop. And allegedly, all the retail employees found out about it via social media posts, which is so classy. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a really great way to go. Well, all their press releases are blog posts. Yeah. Mm. Well, so. that's right. And we, we know that various you know businesses, Tesla businesses around the world, take their direction from what mm. Elon Musk is saying but, on Twitter. But also you look at how much they would be spending as overheads on those storefronts around the world and the, the cost-saving involved in doing that and moving purely to the online thing where they're going to give people seven days or a thousand miles in the US to drive the car drive the and car. if they don't like it, they can give it back. Yes. But um, there's... It's per- fully purchasable online because eighty something like eighty percent of people purchased online. They didn't go to a store anyway, right? And about the same number didn't take a test drive. So right, yep. And those numbers could only be you know expected to increase in the future. But yeah. also, a lot of the stores are in really high profile marquee positions in yeah. big cities. God, so you know the coin that you would need <clears throat> to maintain you know the the just the rent to keep the doors open yeah. uh, would be stupendous. Yeah. So I can understand the attraction. It's just not a great signal yeah. um, to shareholders and others in terms of the company's health. Yeah. And what about the cost-cutting, James? There's, in terms of the models... Is it the models X. Is it time? Can we talk about it? Model X and Model Y. Model, uh, model X and Y. Well, model, sorry, Model S and Model X. So Model, uh, the new SUV, whatever that one is. That'll be Y. Yeah. So it's due to be unveiled shortly. Yeah. Um, so in the next few weeks is my understanding. God, I hope it doesn't look like another Model S. Anyway, stretched. Yeah, more I hope it's. I hope it looks like an SUV and doesn't have stupid doors. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, the other thing that happened, and I think we touched on it briefly last week, is that finally a Model Three at thirty-five thousand US dollars was confirmed. Yep. So for production, so they're starting to build those now. They'll be out in not the stores, mm-hmm. but they'll be available yeah. um, online very shortly. Um, so the Model Three production uh, tracker, uh, we're actually it was a little bit down, but that that level. Of just sub six thousand, so they're at five seven six five, mm-hmm. down about a hundred units on the week prior. But that seems to be where the Model Three production level is. Okay. So whether that will go up 
or whatever with the new $35,000 one. Who knows? But we'll still keep an eye on it. Yeah. 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 And anyway. they've cut they've cut prices on models in Australia as well. Absolutely, the and you wouldn't be happy. Uh, oh. I think we were talking about it in the office. You wouldn't be thrilled if you'd paid X for a Model X yeah. and then it dropped to Y. So over X. overnight they dropped eighty five thousand dollars off the top wow. spec Model X. Wow. So if you're if you bought on Tuesday and on Wednesday the car's eighty five grand cheaper, how would you feel? You're spending a quarter of a million dollars on a car. Hopefully they sort of did this neatly in the background before announcing. You would hope so. You'd hope publicly. so. You'd hope there was some kind of communication with re- recent customers yeah. and, and all of that. Well, some consideration. You look at the consideration for the staff members working in the retail stores. I doubt it. Good point. Great point. Fair Hard point. to argue with that. Um, last time I saw that sort of massive slash would have been McLaren. I think. Remember yeah. they took the cleaver to right. the MP four twelve C. Yeah, it took a hundred grand off it. Yeah. Yeah. In Australia. Yeah. Yes. Whoa. I think there are a few that, um, you know, having trouble moving out of the showroom into the environment. Early days. <laughs> early days for McLaren, that was. <laughs> yeah, it was true. All right. Look, with that, we have reached the finish line. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thank you, Mel. And thanks, thanks to our producer, Mr. Pritchard. Um, to have your say on the show, search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch us on YouTube. And if you're enjoying Tools in the Shed, please pay it forward and recommend us to family and friends or rate and review us on iTunes. Until next week, with the rise of autonomous vehicles, surely we're in line for a country song where the trucker's truck leaves him too. (laughs) I'm up for that. (laughs) 